In verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. You know, Christians can sit in church and merely listen to the word and get deceived. Christians can sit under the word of truth. They can sit under the Lord Jesus. He, Jesus could be very in this pulpit preaching and he could preach the truth and you could all get deceived, not by Jesus, but by the way that you respond to the word that's getting preached to you. You know what? I know in the course of the last few years I've preached everything that you need to live a full, wholesome life without any issues in your life whatsoever. How to get above everything. That's why in many respects people that need counselling outside of preaching, I'm thinking, what do you, what do you need counselling for? I, I pretty well gave you everything you need in the last sermon and the sermon before that and the sermon before that. And if you really just apply it and not let yourself get deceived, you would start to shine as you should. You know what I mean? So what's happening in churches and, and especially in this modern church, and it, well, James was saying it was happening back then, don't merely listen to the word and get deceived, not by the fact that the word is not truth, it's just that you don't do it. You don't live according to it. You don't let it change you. You know what I mean? Everything we need to live a perfect whole life is preached every Sunday. Christians don't need counselling, shouldn't need counselling. Amen? Can you see what I'm saying? If Christians just applied what they learned, they would live a whole life, a complete life. And they'd live above all the stresses and strains of the day that, that seems to, you know, freak them out most of the time and mess their lives up. Christians shouldn't have messed up lives if they're applying the word. If they've got messed up lives, it's because they've lived in deception, sitting under the word, but not doing what it says. Does that make sense? Am I saying this or is that coming from the word right now? What I'm doing is I'm elaborating what's on what it says, because it says, James said it right here. Let's have a look again. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. He's not talking about a deceptive word. No. He's just saying, don't merely listen to it and don't so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's the answer. Do what it says. Amen. Is there plenty of moral directions in Scripture? Plenty. How many? How many have I gone through in the survey of the New Testament? I've come up with scripture after scripture after scripture of, of directions. Just don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Why do we need don't do this and that in a Christian life? Why is it good to have don't do this and don't do that? So you know what to do and what not to do, isn't it? It's pretty good. It's like your parents, you know, a, a good child. When your parent says don't touch this and don't do that, the good child won't touch this and do that. The bad child will touch that and do that. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, the parent usually is stressed. I told you not to do that. Well, Christians, we shouldn't be like little children, shouldn't we? We should be mature and we should know that if the Bible says don't do it, we don't do it. And then if we don't do it, then we won't have an issue there. If we don't do that, we won't have an issue there. If we don't do this, we won't have an issue there. And if we don't, you know, carry on like that, we won't have an issue there. And then all of those things in our life will suddenly, they won't be stressing us anymore. We'll be above it. Yeah. Is that what the word says? Don't merely listen to the word. Do what it says. 
It's obvious. Straightforward teaching. James 1, verse 16. If you could just turn there in your Bibles, and while you're turning there, I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, we need you now. Holy Spirit, uh, I ask that you would just move in this congregation in every heart and every life here, Lord. Uh, we need your constant guidance and direction. And even more so as we come together as a body to worship you and as we come to sit under the word. Lord, I, I see this as the most responsible job in that there is that you could possibly do in this world is to preach to God's people. So help me to be accurate and discerning of the scriptures so that I will teach the truth as it is revealed in scripture. Lord, I pray that your uh, power will go forth and touch hearts and lives here and help everyone here to uh, be moved uh, by the Spirit as they uh, look upon the scriptures and, and see the truth that you're trying to reveal to us this morning. So Holy Spirit, just uh, do your work now in every heart here and in, and in me as well so that I will not... Uh, um, be led astray by some uh, crazy thought that helped me to be on, on track in everything that I say today. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right, so James 1, verse 16. And it says this. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Isn't that a powerful, powerful passage? Right? There's so much to talk about in there. I want to try to get a, a bit to you now. So verse 16, this is just an overview. If you look up at the screen, verse 16, pretty well says, don't be deceived. Verse 17 is talks about gifts from heaven, the father of heavenly lights. Verse 18 is birth through truth. Verse 19, quick and slow, I just called that, I abbreviated it. Uh, verse 20, righteousness, not anger. Verse 21, no moral filth except the word. And verse 22, don't just listen, do. Okay, that's a, a sort of a brief way of seeing uh, what that passage is saying to us. So let's take a look at James 1, verse 16 to 17. We'll read it in, in our Bibles just firstly. 1, 16, it says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. In the Amplified, James 1, 16 to 17, says, Do not be misled, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect, free, large, full gift is from above. He comes down from the Father of all that gives light in the shining of whom there can be no variation rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning as in an eclipse. 
That's a big sentence, isn't it? Yeah. Let's uh, try to uh, understand it so we can apply it. Don't just merely listen to the word, do what it says. So how do we do what it says? We have to understand what it says to do what it says. So do not be misled. People are getting misled all the time. Actually, if we just shoot to the verse 22, just look at your Bibles. In verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. You know, Christians can sit in church and merely listen to the word and get deceived. Christians can sit under the word of truth. They can sit under the Lord Jesus. He, Jesus could be very in this pulpit preaching and he could preach the truth and you could all get deceived, not by Jesus, but by the way that you respond to the word that's getting preached to you. You know what? I know in the course of the last few years I've preached everything that you need to live a full, wholesome life without any issues in your life whatsoever. How to get above everything. That's why in many respects, people that need counselling outside of preaching, I'm thinking, what do you, what do you need counselling for? I, I pretty well gave you everything you need in the last sermon, and the sermon before that, and the sermon before that. And if you really just apply it and not let yourself get deceived, you would start to shine as you should. You know what I mean? So what's happening in churches, and, and especially in this modern church, and it, well, it, James was saying it was happening back then, don't merely listen to the word and get deceived, not by the fact that the word is not truth, it's just that you don't do it. You don't live according to it. You don't let it change you. You know what I mean? Everything we need to live a perfect whole life is preached every Sunday. Christians don't need counselling, shouldn't need counselling. Amen? Can you see what I'm saying? If Christians just applied what they learned, they would live a whole life, a complete life. And they'd live above all the stresses and strains of the day that, that seems to, you know, freak them out most of the time and mess their lives up. Christians shouldn't have messed up lives if they're applying the word. If they've got messed up lives, it's because they've lived in deception, sitting under the word, but not doing what it says. Does that make sense? Am I saying this or is that coming from the Word right now? All I'm doing is I'm elaborating what's on what it says. Because it says, James said it right here. Let's have a look again. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. He's not talking about a deceptive word. No. He's just saying don't merely listen to it and don't so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's the answer. Do what it says. Amen. Is there plenty of moral directions in Scripture? Plenty? How many? How many have I gone through in the survey of the New Testament? I've come up with Scripture after Scripture after Scripture of, of directions. Just don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Why do we need don't do this and that in a Christian life? Why is it good to have don't do this and don't do that? So you know what to do and what not to do, isn't it? It's pretty good. It's like your parents, you know, a good child, when your parent says, don't touch this and don't do that, the good child won't touch this and do that. The bad child will touch that and do that. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, the parent usually is stressed. I told you not to do that. Well, Christians, we shouldn't be like little children, shouldn't we? We should be mature and we should know that if the Bible says don't do it, we don't do it. 
And then if we don't do it, then we won't have an issue there. If we don't do that, we won't have an issue there. If we don't do this, we won't have an issue there. And if we don't you know, carry on like that, we won't have an issue there. And then all of those things in our life will suddenly, they won't be stressing us anymore. We'll be above it. Yeah. Is that what the Word says? Don't merely listen to the Word. Do what it says. It's obvious. Straightforward teaching. Don't be misled, it says in the Amplified. Don't be misled, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift, a free, large, full gift, is from above. Every good thing you have in your life, every last thing that is good. And this is the thing. Do you know what? Sometimes I feel like the most unthankful Christian around. Because God pours out his blessing on me. Pours out his blessing on me in abundance. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got beautiful kids. I've got a beautiful home. I've got... Uh, you know, God's looking after me financially and, and he's looking after me in so many areas. doesn't mean I don't struggle in things. There's struggles. Everyone, has anyone not struggled here? No. no, we have our struggles, but God gets us through them, doesn't he? Sometimes he lets us have a struggle so that we sort of lean on him a bit more because he's probably sick of just pouring out blessings and you sit there like you're the most un, you know, uh, unappreciative child that he could possibly have, you know? Let's not be unappreciative. Let's show God how much we appreciate the wonderful life he's given us. Especially in Australia, where we have it all. Do we go without? Tell me, did you miss dinner last night? Not because you chose to, but did you miss dinner because you couldn't afford to have dinner? No? I think we all get so much, you know. I can understand someone in, you know, in Africa where they're, you know, can't find a crust of bread to be questioning, does God truly love me? I, 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 don't, have a, I don't even have a tent to sleep in at night. I'm skinny. I haven't eaten in a week. All right, I can understand that you'd probably might have a beef with God. But you know what? Those people are the most thankful people to God, leaving us for, for dead in the a level of thanks. I remember a certain minister talking about he came back from, I can't remember the country it was, where um, kids were living in rubbish tips. Hey? Could have been India or yeah. Anyway, he, he they were living in rubbish a rubbish tip, and he couldn't believe it because he went into this rubbish tip and kids are living in there and they're eating you know leftover scraps. If they find a banana skin black, that's their food. That's just all crinkled up, dry, and they're crunching on it because it's food. And he said he never seen such big smiles on children's faces. Happy, happy children. And then he couldn't believe it because he came back to Australia and he's seen kids that have got iPods and iPads and they're loaded with everything. They've got rooms with all the technology, TV screens on the walls and they've got clothes and they're dressed to the, you know, got everything they need. They've got food. They've got not just food. They've got lollies and, you know, they've got everything and they're miserable. Yes. Walking around in a snot. You know that word? I used to say, you're in a snot, aren't you? Why in a snot? <laughs> It's an old, old Victorian slang word, I think. They're walking around upset with life. And they've got everything. And then you go to these kids that have got nothing. They're living in rubbish tips. They're the happiest kids in the world. It doesn't make sense. Why? Because they appreciate that thing. They appreciate. They found a banana skin. This is the most wonderful thing. Thank you, God, for this because I am starving. And man, this thing is the most beautiful looking thing I've ever seen. Black, crunchy. You know what I'm saying? 
So don't be misled, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect, free, large, full gift is from above. And gifts can be, in, in, in many respects, gifts of our, the wonderful things that we have in life. But gifts in so many other respects as well. We have uh, wonderful gifts in uh, spiritual gifts. We have gifts in abilities, you know, uh, gifts in music. And, you know, there's so many wonderful gifts that we all get. And guess what? They all come from God. Every last one of them come from God. And one day, when, when we think it's all us, it's all us, it's all us, you know, we've got this great gift. I know so many people that are gifted and they're so into themselves. They just think, you know, I'm so gifted. But it's from God. It's from God. Nothing that we do is from our own. I can't play the piano unless God gave me the gift. That gift came from God. You know what I'm saying? So I shouldn't really think I'm anything special when I don't. But I, I, why would I think, oh, look how fancy I can play that piece of music? It's not, it's not about that. It's about, look how God enabled me to play it. That's how it should be. That's the approach we should have in life. Mm-hmm. Gift from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light. See, the sun is only shining right now because of God. That's right. Amen? Yes. The sun is only shining. The grass is green because of God. Mm-hmm. All these things, they're from God. Everything is from God. And once we get that into perspective, we start to appreciate our God and Father so much more. And we start to realise He's worthy of so much more than we can possibly give Him. Amen? So much more than we can possibly give Him. Coming down from the Father of all that gives light in the shining of whom there can be no variation, rising or setting, no variation in our God. He is perfect, beyond perfect. Or shadow cast by his turning. There is no shadow coming from God because out of God comes emanating light. Light just emanates from him. He doesn't cast the shadow. We cast shadows, don't we? We don't just cast shadows as we walk in the sun. We can cast shadows in our personality and our attitudes. Remember a few weeks ago I was talking about how I went in the shopping centre. I felt really happy and I was walking. Everyone looked up smiling and happy. I was casting a positive shadow, you know what I mean? Um, the other day I walked in, I was feeling miserable. And no, no kidding, everyone looked at me miserable. And they, they all seemed to be in a rush and, you know, I was getting in the way of everybody and on my trolley was like... <laughs> you know, the complete opposite. And I'm thinking of that sermon where I preached about how we should go in there and be light, you know, and I'm thinking, where's my light gone? All I'm doing is casting a dark shadow. I want to cast the shadow of light. You know what I'm saying? Daniel 2.22, let's have a quick look there. So I want to go back a bit on this, just to verse 21. Actually, go back to 20. This is Daniel's uh, prayer of praise, that Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, this is verse 20, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. Our seasons are governed by him. He set them in place. When it turns autumn, we should say, thank you, God, for autumn. When it turns winter, thank you, God, for winter. When it turns summer, thank you, God, for summer. And spring, spring's beautiful. I love spring, except for the pollens, but I love spring. (laughs) He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. So even the way we think, if if we're smart, if we're wise, if we have knowledge, all that comes from God. You know, don't brag, I've got a photographic memory. I've heard some people say that. I've got a photographic memory. Yeah, it's from God. Oh, I didn't. No, it's mine. <laughs> but everything is from God. Everything. 
He changes times and seasons. He reveals deep and this is verse 22. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. Light dwells with him. He is all light. Let's keep on moving. 1 Timothy 6.15, where it says, uh, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal. See, are we going to receive an imperishable body? At that time when Jesus returns, we receive in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to receive our imperishable body. It comes from him. We can't be immortal without him. That's what I'm saying to atheists. You have no power over death. You haven't got power, you know, there has to be a God. And God can give us power over death, can't he? Um, he? Who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light. You can't even approach God in a mortal body. You know, no one, it says in the Old Testament, no one can look upon the face of God and live. He, if you see God, that's why God, uh, Moses asked to see God. He could only see the back of God as he was going away. He had to cover him with his hand because God is just so awesome how can you look upon the face of a God who created everything that there is in the universe the knowledge and wisdom of that God you know just yesterday uh, Anthony and I went out witnessing and we uh, um, I, I had two great conversations and Anthony had a few good ones as well didn't he Some good ones. Um, but I talked to these two young guys in botanic gardens and uh, one of them was, uh, both of them had no real, hadn't made a judgment of whether God exists or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was a year 11 guy. By the end, I think he went home thinking, God exists. <laughs> but it was, it was powerful. It was powerful what I said to him. And uh, one of the things I said, you know, how complex is DNA? And he said, as far as I know, it's very complex. I said, how many scientists are working on DNA, trying to decipher the code, as it were, and, and work out what it all does? He says, you know, many, many, many scientists, you know, they're making new discoveries all the time about DNA, things they used to call junk DNA now has a purpose. It's not, not junk, you know. And there's, but yet they still can't fathom what this DNA can do. They get an idea of what it can do. It actually is the blueprint for life of the creature that it's, it's within. But they can't fathom it. I said, say, even the smartest people on earth are still trying to unravel the mystery of DNA. I said, yes. Well, how great must the God be who created DNA? Who had not only... Um, he's already unraveled it because he created it. He knows how it works. But just to have the mind to be able to put it all together. To say, for life to be as it is... DNA has to be made in this certain way and has to do this thing and I can actually do that. I have the power to make those things do that. To put that information in such an order. You know, people think who, the, the people who invented computers are pretty smart cookies and they are, from a human perspective. How much greater must you be to give life to creatures that don't even exist and make the creature? Do you know? And not just make the creature, make the perfect mate for the creature and then create a lot of other creatures and a lot of plants and birds and, you know, reptiles and fish and and then create an ecology where they all fit together and they all depend on each other and it all just works. Except when man gets in the way and stuffs it up. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? How far fathoming is that God that, that puts all that to work that way? 
And what do the scientists say? Oh, that's just chance. Just chance. Man, that's such an unfathomable thing that our God is able to do. And they go and try to say just all just spontaneously happened. You know? But it's not true, is it? But our God is, is so awesome. We, we, the further you go, the deeper you look at it. Like, that's why I can't understand why every scientist in the world is not a Christian. Because how can you look on, on the microscope or study the areas of, of science that you study and not acknowledge God? Amen? He's just incredible. And he, he gives natural instincts to animals to do certain things in a certain time of year. So birds fly south in the winter and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> they all just know what to do so that they don't die and perish. And they said, you know, uh, during the, some of the tsunamis, all the animals in the area where the tsunamis took place, they, they took off, they knew what was coming. They had like a radar going on in their minds. You know, humans don't have that. Would have been handy. But that's, a, that's an unthinkably incredible God. You just can't imagine how awesome our God is. And, and if I can do anything over the next 20, 30 years of my ministry is just to help us to realise the greatness of our God. And then you know what? No matter how well God can be described, it's nearly like we're trying to describe colour to a blind man. It's so beautiful. What is colour? All right. All he sees is black. And he doesn't even know it's black. He doesn't say anything. Trying to describe. And that's sort of what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand a God that's beyond thinking. Our ability to think and reason, I should say. Yeah. Un un unbelievably amazing God. And I want you guys to go home and just dwell on that. Dwell on how great is our God. But he's also a God that is going to hold us all to account, isn't he? Mm -hmm. And he's really concerned with each and every one of you and, and the way you're living and, the way, and what you're doing with your lives. And, and he's so concerned about every last thing. The Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. He's counted them all. You haven't gone and counted your own hairs. Some of you would be take a year to count the hair on your head. Alicia, she's got a lot of hair on her head. What's that? I was going to say, some it's an easier task. Some it's an easier task. <laughs> and he's getting I easier. Won't, I won't mention <laughs> any names. Yeah. But uh, God is great. Amen? God is great. And he's going to hold every single human who's ever lived to account. And the Christians who have walked according to the true doctrine of salvation, I think you know what I'm talking about when I say that in this church, the Christians that are held to the true doctrine of salvation, we're going to be judged, but not according to our salvation. We're going to be judged according to what we did with our Christian life. You know, how we lived it. Did we live it for him or did we live it partially for him and so on. There is a judgment of the saints. And then there's the judgment of the, or the goat judgment. Those that haven't lived at all for God in the sense that they don't believe in God and they've rejected God or they've followed a demon instead of God thinking they're following the truth but they follow a lie and, that, and God is going to bring up stuff you're not even going to have remembered this is the interesting thing God doesn't forget anything he's got a perfect record a perfect record he can pull up stuff and you go, that's right, I, I did, I can't believe, I did I, yeah, that's right, I did that too. And he's going to flash it through our mind in a way that we're going to see our whole life just go straight before us. And we're going to see all the individual things that we've done in our life. 
And then he's going to say, you know what? I've forgiven you for all of it. This is the saints in the judgment. But because of this, this and this, you're not going to come up here with me where I say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But to others, he's going to look and he's going to, we're going to see things. And even the greatest among us, like the Apostle Paul, when he's getting judged, he's going to be going, oh my God, I can't believe I lived like that. I did that. Did I really do that? I had an argument with Barnabas. I shouldn't have had that argument. It was a bad, bad scene, bad example to the church in that area where it took place. You know what I mean? But then Jesus is going to say, I've forgiven you for all that. But because you live for me, because you just laid your life down for me on a daily basis, come up here. Come up here and receive your, my promised inheritance that goes to those that overcome. We all will have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. But there will be a saint's judgment. Now that, that actually is the judgment I'm concerned about. I don't want to get there and find out that I've completely messed up my Christian life. You know what I mean? And barely get in, you know? Backside on fire, that sort of thing. Get the gown of salvation, the white gown of salvation. Amen? You know what I'm saying? So live for him with everything. And really, what should church be encouraging you to do except that? You know, put everything into your Christianity. Pour yourself into your Christianity. Live it to the fullness that you can live it. Don't hold back from God. Give everything you know He deserves to God. Amen? Birth through truth. James 1.18. I'll just read the amplified version of this. And it was of His own free will that he gave us birth as sons by his word of truth so that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures see that's what we're to be well he was saying this James was saying this at the time of the first church or the earliest church he was saying that we should be kind of first fruits now there's been second fruits and third fruits and, and so on but we can still think of it as in we should be a kind of first fruits of of uh, of God a sample of what he created to be consecrated to himself. Did you see that? A sample. So when people meet you, they get a sample of God. They get a sample of what Jesus Christ is like. Just like, a, you know, you know when you walk in the supermarkets and there's that lady, she's cooking something up and she's putting it on little biscuits and, or whatever or putting them in a little... And you get the thing and you... You know that, that person? You know, and you... Oh, try this one. Thank you very much. And you hang around there and you get... <laughs> You don't do that. Go at lunchtime. Go at about one o'clock. But uh, that's a sample, isn't it? It's not the whole dish. It's just a sample of the dish. And that's what, when people meet us, that's what they should be meeting. A sample of Christ. So that we can be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. A sample of what he created. And what does it say there? To be consecrated. What's that mean? Set apart to him. Made holy. Living holy. A holy life in Him. Amen. And that's what He expects. He does not expect to have a people that's riddled in sin. Does He? We know. Do I say this every week? We are to be consecrated. We are to be made holy. And everywhere I look in the New Testament, everywhere I look, it says it over and over again. Nearly every chapter of the Bible. Of the New Testament. And the Old Testament talks about holiness all the way through too. John 3.3. Let's have a look. Jesus declared, 
I tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again. So what does born again mean? What does born again mean? Lord, help me to explain this. See, we, we think, uh, in, in churches today, they think you put up your hand, you say, I believe in Jesus, and you come to the front, you say some prayer with the minister, you're born again. I believe that time of repentance is the beginning, but it's just the beginning. It is where you get born, but from that moment you've got to walk in it. And the scriptures declare that we shouldn't go back to our old ways. We should not return to the way we used to be. We've got to walk as new creatures in Christ. So we are to be born again. And, uh, and really, uh, Paul said, I die daily. That he dies daily. So every day you've got to wake up and in a sense get born again. And say, I recommit to you today. Amen. And be born in him. Romans eleven sixteen. If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, this is talking about the first fruits, because it says here that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. I just searched the word first fruits, and what does it talk about? Holiness. So the whole, um, the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy. That's the earliest church. Then if we are part of that church, then we will be holy. Because if the early church was holy, we will be holy too if we're part of that church. Amen? If we're in the line, that line of that, of that original church, and we haven't strayed, haven't become part of a church that's strayed away from that, so that we would be holy. If the whole, and then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, who's the root? Jesus Christ. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If you're truly in Christ, you will be holy. That's what the Bible's saying here. 1 Peter 1.23. Let's turn there. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Through the living, enduring word of God. So it's through this. That we've been born again. It's through application of this that we become born again. Who reads the Bible a lot? Put up your hand if you read the Bible a lot. Yeah? If you don't get there's a great Bible app. Um, I can show you what the app is. And there's some really good, uh, what do you call them, uh, plans that you can do. I had a plan that it says it was called New in 30. So it was 30 days, and in 30 days you, you listen or read through the whole New Testament. And the great thing was, in the version of the Bible I was using, it, there's a little um, play button. Mm. So I would press play and I'd listen to it. And the guy that was speaking has such a clear voice. You, you, you were listening to the same one as I came over to your house the other day, Julia. He was listening to uh, this, um, the same speaker, so I knew the voice. And he's very expressive. Some, in some ways, I actually feel I understand it better by the way that guy speaks. Do you know what I'm saying? He makes things really... Um, stand out that I didn't notice before. So he's really good to listen to. So if you're interested, I, I can show you what the app is. And uh, it's really, really good. Get, and it gets the word into your heart. And you listen to about eight to ten chapters a day and you get through the whole New Testament in 30 days, which is a good, good little goal. I still haven't finished. I'm about 
seven or eight days over, <laughs> over now. <laughs> All right, Romans 8.29, let's turn there. Okay, everyone there. For, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. God foreknew you, he predestined you to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So what is that saying about us? We are to conform. We're to conform to the likeness of Christ. You know? You know in the church today, do, do Christians hate hearing this sort of teaching? You know, the standard Christian? And I, I think about that all the time. I think that, you know, like the word says about the great falling away at the end, I don't, I don't think you have to necessarily reject Christ. You just have to be in a church where they tickle your ears and you're not hearing the truth and you're not under the true word. That is a falling away, isn't it? If the minister isn't preaching the truth and everyone's swallowing it, they've fallen away from the truth. So we could be living right in that moment where, you know, people could be a huge portion of the society going to church, but they're sitting under false teaching. And so when someone comes and says we are to conform to live in Christ, let's read it again, Romans 8.29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness. Predestined, you're predestined to conform. If that makes someone upset and Christians get upset when you start talking like that, they call that legalism, then they're part of the falling away. They're part of the apostasy, aren't they? They're rejecting the, the word of God. You know, I could have a I could I could talk to these hyper grace teachers and I could use nothing but scripture and I wouldn't even have to put a commentary. I would just pull scripture after scripture and just read it out in line with, with each other's scripture. I could, I could literally do that. And you know they would reject every bit of it? They'd be saying, legalism, legalism, legalism. Even though I'm pulling it straight from scripture, I'm just going scripture, scripture, scripture. It says this, says this, says this, says this, says this. And I could keep going. And I could speak for, you know, half an hour. I could be reading out scriptures that all speak to this and they'd be calling me a legalist all the way. So what they'd be doing is they'd be just rejecting, not rejecting me, just rejecting the word of God that says it. Because it's there, isn't it? Let's go Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13. Call them uh, illegal churches. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one, though. Did you hear that? Illegal. Well, in the eyes of Christ, they are illegal. It's true. So 130 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, so that's what we've received in the Holy Spirit. He's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And that deposit guarantees our inheritance. How? By helping us to walk consecrated, holy lives. He's our counsellor. He's our guide. He will guide us through life. So we need to lean on him and depend on him to direct us so that we can live a holy life. But is it by our own power? It's by his power. You know. But do you then have to confront sin in the church, even when if the church is following the leading of the Holy Spirit? 
Yes, because the Bible speaks about it all the time. So you've still got to confront sin, but what that does is it agrees with the Holy Spirit. So that then you can, when you're hearing that little prompting that says, don't do this and don't do that, you know it's the Holy Spirit that's saying it because it confirms, is confirmed here. But if we didn't have it confirmed here, you would hear that, don't do this, don't do that, and you'd think, I'll just ignore that and I'll go with the other voice that's saying, do this, do that. And that one's stronger because that one's got the lusts of the flesh pulling it. Does that make sense? Who knows? The sin nature is strong. You know? That's why you've got to crucify the sin nature every day because it's strong. It's very strong. It pulls you to sin like nobody's business. And some people are weaker to resist it than others in their own strength. And actually, all men can't resist it, all men and women can't resist the sin nature in their own strength. They will sin in some, re- some form or another. Why do you think the prisons are so full? Why do you think crime is escalating out of control now? Because the sin nature and the, the, the lusts of the, of the flesh have increased that much in our communities yeah. to, to the point where everywhere you look and everything you listen to is filled with sin and filth. It's just pulling us to go that way more and more and more and more and more. Amen. So we've got to resist it. We've got to resist it. We can't do it in our own strength. It's got to be by the power of the Spirit. And it's got to be through hearing the Word every, every weekend, just hearing it coming, uh, the confirmation that this is what the sin nature can do to you. And then you get that, that confirmation of knowing it's there. Then when you hear that voice, you obey. And you obey and resist. And then you pray about it. If it's pulling you really strongly, Lord, help me. Help me to resist that sin. Because I need the I need the strength of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Yes, All right, let's go to what Matthew Henry had to say about that scripture. As every good gift is from God, so particularly our being born again, and all and all its holy, happy consequences come from Him. A true Christian becomes as different a person from what he was before the renewing influences of divine grace as he as if he were formed over again. So what he's saying is like you've literally gone back in the womb. And you've, been, you've gone through that whole process again and come out a completely new creature, which is why Jesus used that uh, the term, born again, that you've got to get renewed. You know, And sometimes I think you can go through seasons as a Christian where you've got to pretty well say, Lord, I need to get back in the womb again. You know what I mean? I've got to get cleaned up. I'm filthy. I can't even look at myself in the mirror without feeling guilt. You know, So you've got to keep on going back to Christ. And, and starting again, starting afresh. And that's the beautiful thing about being a Christian is you can receive forgiveness over and over again. Not that you use that to your benefit, you know what I mean? But only when the guilt's got to that point where you're just feeling so bad, okay, Lord, I need to, I need to uh, have you clean me again. I need to be born again again. Reset. Re- yeah, like a reset, a reboot, whatever you want to call it. So we should devote all our faculties to God's service. That we may be kinds of first fruits of his creatures. And I like that. We, could, we should devote all our faculties. What's our faculties? Mind. Our mind. The things that we think, the things that, you know, even our kinds of conversations we like to engage in. You know, that's a wonderful thing I find about going out witnessing and, and just, you know, uh, you know, we were sitting down beforehand at the having a coffee and we just were having a chat about 
different stuff, important stuff. But then when we got up, we knew you, you sort of have to switch your thinking, don't you? Yeah. You got to switch, and you got to say, okay, now what? What am I interested? In? I'm I'm just interested in one thing: getting people saved, getting people over the line. And the beautiful thing, and this was a good thing, the two people I spoke to, by the end, came from not necessarily believing in God at all, or very, very minimally, to the point where they completely saw my way of thinking. And they could see what I was saying was true, and they could see how unreasoning it is to believe in evolution and the Big Bang and all, all that sort of stuff. So nearly everything that they brought up that they knew from you know, biology class or whatever they've done, um, as I explained it in, in layman's terms, which is the only way I can explain it, um, they got it. And I saw them going, yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a wonderful thing just to have two conversations like that. And I walked away going, hey, praise God, thank you, Lord. You just got, me to the, got these guys to believe in God. And it was just, you know, through that determination to keep going out, and it didn't happen because there was another guy I went up to and I said, excuse me, could I um, have a chat? I'm just doing a bit of an experiment. And he goes, hey, experiment, no, no experiment, mate. And he walked off. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> you don't like experiments? <laughs> so I changed the word from experiment after that. I didn't use that. I don't want them to feel like guinea pigs. But, uh, so I said, I'm doing a survey. Yeah, and I am, because I'm bringing you... Results, aren't I, in the sense of survey results each each Sunday. And Anthony, what you spoke to a few Christians? Yeah. Anthony keeps I coming across the Christians. I've seen a few Christians. Yeah, he just grabs the Christians. He had one person come up to him and say, "Excuse me," and they, they were witnessing. And, he, and, he was going, he was going, and they were trying to exchange their information. That was funny, I think. You keep getting there. Every time I come back here, I talk to this Christian and that Christian. <laughs> Well, and you got lectured by one Christian. Was, what did he say to you? Oh, no, he was... Because I was watching it. I came up and I saw him and this guy's getting right into it. It was like he was, had a pulpit in front of him. This guy. He, he was basically saying, what's the biggest problem in the churches these days? And like, know they, you know, what do they teach? What don't they teach? Or what do they teach? And I said, once saved, being, you know, once saved, always saved. Or, he goes, no, it's sin. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what we... That's what we talk about in our church. Just, you don't understand. Like, <laughs> he started really getting into... Um, he was thinking he was talking to a, a guy that goes to a normal church yeah, where they don't yeah. preach on sin. Yeah. yeah. But I ended up giving him one chance to say, look, have a look at what we actually talk about in church, yeah, what our yeah. pastor talks about, and you know, we're, we're to listen mm. to over and try to obey it. So, mm, so mm. Um, That's good. So Anthony made me go down and stand at the front of the hospital. Yeah. Royal Adelaide. And uh, I walked around, and they're all groups and, and stuff, and I ended up just walking into the Botanic Gardens. So that's yeah. where I found the, the, the people I spoke to. But yeah. Anthony hung around the, the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's very interesting. It's, uh, if you ever, ever uh, you want to come out, just please you know, um, let me know, and, and we're going to try to do it every Saturday if, if we have the uh, time to do it. Um, and what's next Saturday? That's, yeah, we should be able to do it next Saturday. Easter weekend, yeah. All right, and uh, I'll just just do one more screen, and just to finish. James one nineteen to twenty, and it says, "Understand this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offence, and to get angry. For for man's anger does not promote the righteousness God wishes and requires. That's who gets convicted when they read that." 
Anyone? Come on, honesty. Come on, let's see some honesty. Anyone? Yep. Good, good. I'm slowly seeing hands come up. So let every man be quick to hear and a ready listener. You know, just in relation to the witnessing that we've been doing, don't you have to listen? You have to be prepared to listen. You can't think you're going to go out there and just grab someone and lecture them because they'll walk off as quick as they, as quick as you stop and they'll be gone again. So what you've got to do is you've got to get them to a question that they want to answer as quick as possible and at that point you just want to keep them talking. And that, so when I read that, I think, yeah, that's, that's great. We've got to be quick to hear and already listen. Who likes people that listens and takes an interest in you? Do you like it when someone listens to you yeah. and takes interest, a, a genuine interest in you? Isn't that nice when you talk to someone and that person's going, you know, uh, you know, asking questions about everything you're talking about and, and is really sincerely interested? You know, I, I remember the, remember the uh, Nana Chefs at, at the tennis. Yes. And I remember the wife had an ability to just, you'd start saying something to her and she just showed so much interest. I don't know how she did it. She just, and she made you feel real, like you're, you're a real knowledge in the thing you're talking about and you end up talking better than you otherwise would if the person wasn't showing interest. And, and by the end of the conversation, I'm thinking, gee, this person's so interested in what I'm talking about. It's amazing. So you have this, you endear towards them straight away. So it's a great way to make friends. If you want to be really popular, just show a lot of interest in a lot of people especially kids at school. You know. I, I, this is a funny thing. Um, I've, I teach a lot of children in, in uh, music school, in, in our music school. And the kids come into the room and I can tell the kids that would have a lot of friends and I can tell the kids that wouldn't have any friends. And the kids that don't have any, or any friends or very few friends are the kids that just sit there and they don't say hello, they don't ask you anything about you, they're just not interested. And so when I'm talking to these kids, I'm just... And then, like, in the past, I used to say things to them like, um, and how's your friendship groups at school? Oh, okay. Do you have many friends? Oh, one. You know, and, uh, oh, what about all the other kids? No, 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 they, I don't have any more friends, just one friend. And that's because that kid that he's got, that one friend is the one friend that he's shown interest in. You know, and it's that, that the limit of their ability to show interest is this one person. You know, when I was in primary school, I was a bit of a loner like that. I would get one or two friends. And I would just, but I, I was intensely interested in my one or two friends, but I wasn't interested in anyone else. And then I, therefore I wondered why other kids didn't, you know, include me in their things. It's because I was interested in just this kid and this kid and not, not any of those kids. But then there's kids around that can just be interested in all of them. Everyone some reason they can just or at least a lot of kids yeah and uh, so it is a uh, just listening to people showing interest is an incredible way to make a lot of friends so we're going to be slow to speak uh, which means careful of what you say one thing I remember when I was I was studying communication a little bit uh, about a year ago and I remember that uh, that most of us when we listen to someone as they're speaking, we start to already, we've already, uh, we start to get in our mind exactly what they're saying before they've said it. So we've already got our interpretation set. So if you hear, if they start to say something and then we, we just jump in with a comment, oh yeah, 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 this, that person might go, no, no, it's, and you'll start to speak again and then the person will go, oh, it's this. 
and they'll jump in again. And what you get is this breaking of communication. Do you know what I'm talking about? And uh, so what, what they're doing is they've, as soon as that person starts to speak, they've already processed what that person is trying to say without listening to them. So it's real wisdom to let them get it out until you can totally understand and, and, and form the correct understanding of what they're trying to say. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a really valuable tool because uh, sometimes I, I have you know, been known to jump in before I understand, especially with Venus, she might start saying something to me and I'm, yeah. I sort of <laughs> jump ahead of you, don't I? And, and it comes the other way. <laughs> yes. okay. You put a straight pen. Yeah. So is, is that important information? Yes. Yeah. Especially between partners, we've got to listen to the other one until they've finished and they've said it all. And then you've got a correct perspective and then you can respond the best. And probably take a few deep breaths before you respond. Of course, doesn't it? Slow to speak, slow to take offence. You know, now, who, who gets offended easy? Pull up your hand if you can get offended easy. Yes. Yeah? Should that be? Should we be getting offended easy? No. Now we should, we should really uh, take, uh, uh, really, how is it, reason what is happening better. Calm. Calm. And uh, a lot more patience. We might need a lot more patience. There's, a, there's an interesting that happened, thing that happened to me the other day, and I'll tell you about it. Remember the story I was coming down? I can't remember the name of the street. And I come behind a guy, this guy in a work car, and... Um, I'm behind him and he's at a roundabout. And there's a big gap between where the car's coming. And he, he, I could have driven a, a truck through in the time it took. And then, so that car went around and I'm sitting there. And then there was another big gap. And the car wouldn't move in front of me. And I thought, this is what my thinking was, this guy's on his mobile phone. He's, he's replying to a text and he's just forgotten he's on the road. So I beat the horn. And then... Uh, the car went through, and then there was another big gap. And I'm like, what is with this guy? So I beat the horn again. Anyway, I see his seatbelt come off, and he gets out. <laughs> and he starts, you know, he, he was getting out. He was going to thump me, but then he sort of saw yeah. me, and then he sort of backed off a little bit, because, you know, bigger guys have that way of intimidating. But no, I wasn't trying to intimidate him. I was just sort of like, um, he's going, I won't say the language he used, but he just says, what's going on? And I said, I, I really do want to get home, mate. <laughs> I don't want to be sitting And then he got angry. I had to wait for the traffic from the right, you know. And I went, all right, no worries, mate, because I wasn't going to say, you know, we could have got two trucks through in the time. <laughs> anyway, he, he got back in his car, and then he went straight away really quick. And, <laughs> but he got through all of a sudden. Yeah. So, but it did teach me a lesson, you know. Uh, I, I, was, I was impatient, I, I should show more more patience when it comes to people, you know, in these situations where I think they should go now, and they're not willing to go now because their judgment maybe isn't as good or whatever, and they think, no, I need more time than that. Do you know what I mean? And we've got to be patient in so many things. When you're going down the aisle and someone's on that side with the trolley and that side on the trolley, and they're just parked it and they're just looking at the products. <laughs> you know, reading the labels, and you're trying to get through. Anyone been in that situation? Just a little bit of patience. Stop and take a look at some products and wait for it to move. And, and we've got to exercise this in the small things because then it comes up in the big things, doesn't it? You know, when, when we really need it. Yeah, who, who's ever watched the, a guy called Alex Jones? Is he a patient man? 
No, he hasn't got a good reputation in that area. You know, I saw him talking about a gun ban with, um, who's that English guy that went over to America? Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan. Did anyone ever see that? Mm -hmm. Piers Morgan and Alex Jones talking about the gun laws? Yeah, too much. And was it hard to watch? Because... Now, Alex Jones had already said to himself, this guy's going to try and incriminate me, I'm just going to blast him. And he just came out and just, oh, it was shocking. He was just giving Piers Morgan so much. And look, Piers Morgan sort of deserves it in some respects because he gives it to people too. But I was just watching and I was thinking, Alex, man, what are you doing? You know, if you really want this to be effective on, a, on an international level, show some patience speak with calmness but he's just screaming and yelling and ranting and raving and you know so no one's going to take him seriously so if we want people to take us seriously we've got to control that area of our life don't we that's what they're saying debates you know he who gets angry has just lost has just lost well that's what i use all the time in debating on online the youtube thread they come on and say something to me and i say something back and then they start with the language you know and uh i just say sorry mate you've just lost the the debate, if you can't keep the language clean and you can't keep yourself cool, not interested, and then he gives me a bit more, so I delete, you know, uh, and and block him from the channel. And I always say, I'm gonna, I always tell him, I'm about to block you because I want it to be a family-friendly channel. I don't want kids to, or an adult, anyone, any Christian to come on and see swearing and carrying on on, this, on the threads. If you ever see any on our, any threads on our YouTube channel where there's pretty bad language getting used, just let me know so I can delete it. Uh, and I have, we have a right to, don't we? It's my... It was the church's channel. We should be able to keep it clean. Anyway. But uh, for man's anger does not promote the righteousness of God. And that's, that's really what it is. And God wishes and requires us to have that level of patience, that level of control over all those elements of our life. You know, there's a, um, a certain person in our family who's got control over that... Uh, over their emotions more than just about anyone else I know. Um, I won't say a name now. I'll tell my family later. And I'm always admire his ability to keep that coolness um, when when thing is looking. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Can ask me later. And I'm just in, I learn a lot from watching the way he handles um, situations. You know, because just the ability to be cool. Yeah. And when things are getting pretty hot under the collar, you know, he'll just be cool. Cool as a cucumber. <laughs> All right, Proverbs 10.19. Let's have a look. This is just about this area. And we'll, we'll finish with these Proverbs. So stay in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 10.19. And it says, When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. That makes you want to not say so much, doesn't it? <laughs> If, and it says even a fool would be considered wise if he didn't speak too much or if he held his tongue. So, <laughs> Proverbs 16.32, and it says, Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. A man who can control his temper and be patient and keep, his, and keep to wisdom. Um, there's somewhere else, I didn't find that scripture, I'm only thinking of it now, somewhere that he could um, he can... Uh, sway rulers in their decision making. You can sway courts and all that sort of thing just by the way that you speak, just by the coolness of how you approach every situation. Where if you come in like Alex Jones ranting and stuff, no one's going to listen to you. 
I'm going to boot you out. Uh, Proverbs 17, 27. And it says, A man of knowledge uses words with restraint. And a man of understanding, uh, sorry, and a man of understanding is even tempered. So a man of knowledge uses words with restraint, being very, very selective. Can we just go back to the first one, 1019? This has always worried me, this scripture. I'll say it again. Don't worry, I know, I shouldn't worry. Where, where are we going? When words are many, sin is not absent. And uh, do preachers preach a lot of words? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm always concerned about that, you know. Shut up. That's enough. <laughs> you know, surely you're entering into sin now with all these words. So we've got to, we've got to keep a, a tight rein on our tongue. So I should learn when to stop. And uh, can that happen in an argument? That you just keep yeah. on going and going. You know, I've got a habit of doing that in an argument. Being a testimony, you know, just keep it all going, you know. Yeah. Does anyone ever win no an angry <laughs> argument? Does anyone win? No. no. Both lose. You both lose in the end. You can yell and yell and yell and the other person can yell and yell and yell and in the end, even if that person goes, okay, you're right. Fine. I'm out of here. You know what I mean? You don't really win. There's no winning once that starts at that point. So we just, we just got to let, let it go. Let it go. Listen to the woman. What's that from? We don't know that song. I always get it sung at me. Let it go. Frozen. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joe Schimmel will have something to say. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. There's a Blessed Hope Chapel. Yeah. Joe Schimmel's going to have me now. We'll cut that. Yeah. Frozen, I'm sure there's something sinister about that movie. It's got to be. Wasn't all about doing what you want to do. And... That's what it was, yeah. yeah. Didn't he do something on Friday? Yeah, I'm sure he did. Yeah, he That's did something on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> I like that song, Let It Go. Just those words. Yeah, All right. Well, what did the Queenslanders always say to us? Build a bridge and get over it. Yeah. <laughs> Three words, get over it. Get over it. <laughs> there was a stage where all my family in Queensland, for some reason, you just every conversation that's going on, they'd be saying, just build a bridge, mate, and get over it. <laughs> then you'd say something else, build a bridge, mate, get over it. No, I can't have enough of that stuff. <laughs> what are you saying to me? <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll finish. See, too many words entering in the folly. Well, thank you for this time and thank you for these wonderful people that have uh, sat patiently under this ministry. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that your spirit will move in all of us uh, to help some of what I've talked about uh, to um, really affect them positively and, and help them to... Um, walk and, and live their Christian life in a much better way, um, a much more uh, powerful way, a, much, a way that will please you in so many respects, Lord. But we need, uh, we need to see uh, you, or we need to represent you more and more in this life as uh, first fruits, as, uh, like as in people that uh, come in contact with us, Lord, would, would find Christ through coming in contact with us, Lord, just by the way that we are, by the way we live our life. Help us to all just be born again, uh, again, if we need to be, Lord. Help us to come before you and repent of the things that maybe are getting in the way of our life, that are causing us to um, uh, sin and do things that we shouldn't be doing, Lord. Um, help us to become the people you've created us to be, Lord. For this, these days, uh, well, our time here is short, and... Uh, 
and it's going to be gone in, uh, and before we know it, Lord, we'll be at the end of our life and we, we will know that we have to face you. So help us to get this life right now. Help us to live this life the way we're meant to live it now. Because, uh, Lord, there is really no other reason uh, to live this uh, life except to find you and serve you. So help us to get our priorities straight so that uh, you will always take first priority in all our lives and that we'd uh, live out our Christian life in in a way that will please you immensely. So that when we stand before you on that day, you'll say, well and well done, my good and faithful servant, coming into, into, our, into my rest. And Lord, we just want to hear those words. We just want to hear you say those words to us, Lord. So help us to be a righteous people, a holy people, a people belonging to God, that we may be able to declare your praises to the nations and lead people to salvation. And give us the words to speak to people this week and help us each and every week to uh, um, say the right thing uh, to those that we know and those in our family and those of friends and our work workmates and so on so that we can help them find you as well. And we pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Amen.